Good morning. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning. Before I introduce our preacher this morning, would you turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 23? And I know you just sat down, but let's stand for the reading of God's word. It's a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's word. You may be seated. As we were planning today, there was really one name on the list that, that came up to, to, to invite uh, to come and preach this a special service. It's not just an anniversary service. It's an installation where we get to install three new elders and look to the Lord in this new season of life. Um, our pastor, uh, Pastor Philip von Steinberg, is coming from Cape Cod. He's a dear friend of Pastor Michael's that they were able to save, uh, serve together on the, on the Cape for the past, uh, I think, four years or so. Also, Philip was a church member and, uh, with, with Paul Mueller years ago in Washington, D.C. And because Eric Yang also served in Massachusetts, <laughs> it just made sense. But Philip grew up in Albany and, and then moved to Greenville. Uh, he moved to D.C. to work in politics. Uh, that's where he began attending Capitol Hill Baptist. Uh, that's where he grew more excited about the gospel, the church, and helping others to understand God's word. And he was part of the pastoral internship program at Capitol Hill and then worked on staff before moving to Louisville to go to seminary at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He then moved to Dubai, which is also a very interesting thing because he knows dear friends and partners in the gospel in Dubai that we ourselves partner, uh, particularly the Donalds and uh, Shannon and Ruth Phillips. And that's so cool how God has this knit together, this, this network. And then in 2017, he moved to Cape Cod to uh, lead Grace Harbor Church. Dear brother, we're so thankful for you here. Will you open God's word for us and come and preach? And let's w welcome Philip as he comes. I am so thankful for this opportunity to be here with you this morning. I've really been looking forward to it ever since I found out that I got to participate and celebrate, especially with Michael and Jill, and with you as a church, and then to find out the bonus of knowing people here and the shared connections and partners we have, it's just a joy. I, I feel like I'm stepping into a birthday celebration because, you know, we, you're 11 years old, you're getting the gifts today of elders, as we talked about, uh, now we just need a cake, I guess. Um, I'm here because I am a dear friend of Michael and Jill's, and as, as their friend and, and knowing you and getting to know you better as a church, I'm very excited for you. I'm excited about your future as a church. As has already been mentioned, it's a new chapter opening now 
for this people in this place. And there are so many opportunities you're now going to get to build on the foundation that's already been laid here over the past 11 years. My aim this morning is simply to encourage you in that, in that wonderful endeavor that you have before you to keep celebrating the gospel, keep following Jesus, keep being a gospel outpost uh, for his glory here. So I aim to do that, and to do that, let's open to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to read the first five verses, 1 Peter chapter 5. And as I do, think about this. When God goes about building his church, what does he give? And what does the church become? 1 Peter 5, verse 1 through 5. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter tells us God gives his grace to build humble churches. So be a humble church. Peter is addressing the whole church here. Three specific groups are called out. Shepherds and elders, verses 1 through 4. Members, first half of 5. And then all of them, the end of verse 5. The instructions are a little different for each, but they're all toward the same thing. Humility. Shepherds have a role in the church. Members have a role in the church. We all individually have a role in the church. And Peter encourages all of us to exercise humility in our roles. So what kind of church, Maranatha Grace, would you like to be? What kind of church does God want you to be? God wants you to be a humble church. And isn't it so wonderful to see that he promises he will give his grace to make that happen? A grace-filled church is a humble church. So just think about all the opportunities you've already had over the last 11 years and looking forward to the, maybe the next 11 years. What opportunities are held there for you to display God's grace through your whole church pursuit of humility? Based on what Peter says here, how should we define humility? Well, we might start by the simple observation that humility is the opposite of pride. Pride puts me at the top. So, humility must be recognizing and putting me at the bottom. Pride serves myself above all, so humility must be that service of God and others before me. Pride thinks that everything is ultimately about me, so humility must believe that ultimately everything is about someone else. 
Pride considers that we have all the equipment we need within ourselves to do what is good and right. But humility acknowledges that without the grace of God, we are lost and dead. We also see that humility understands one's place in the grand scheme of things. That God is God, and it's all his. Elders don't own the church. God does. Verse 2, it is the flock of God. Acts 20, 28 tells us that the church is those whom God has bought with his own blood. Members don't lead the church. God does through the shepherds he gives. So here's a definition, a, a working definition. I know it could be a little more concise. I tried to make it more concise, but here's a, here's a definition of humility. Humility, from 1 Peter 5, we learn, is the posture of a heart that has received God's grace through Jesus and gladly accepts that God is God and everything is his. That's the posture of a humble heart. And so, therefore, a humble person lowers themselves for the good of others. Now, humility is a call to every Christian in all parts of our lives. But here in this passage, it's specifically focusing in on the church. Peter, to use our definition practically, is encouraging you as a church to remember, God has been gracious, so gladly accept that God is your God over this church, and this church is his. This, then, as we follow that and become humble people, will be a humble church full of people who lower themselves for the good of one another. As weird as it might sound to the world outside, church, be eager to be humble. Why? Because, as we're told, it's the humble church that receives God's grace. So then the next question is that we should ask is, how can we be humble people? How can we be this kind of humble church? Well, I'm going to give you three things, three instructions on being a humble church. First, leaders, be humble shepherds. Members, secondly, be humble followers. And third, church as a whole, be humble with each other. Leaders, be humble shepherds. Members, be humble followers. Third, church, be humble with each other. So first, leaders, be humble shepherds. God, throughout Scripture, and we see it uh, accentuated here in this passage, God outlines a governing structure for the church that when used in his way will produce humility. So elders leading in a Christ-like way and the church following in a Christ-like way. The Bible uses the word elder to describe godly and mature men who are given by the risen Jesus to the church to lead. Other words that mean the same thing that you might have heard or used, pastor, shepherd, overseer. Most frequently, the term appears in the plural like it does here in verse 1. Because God intends for churches to have a group of men leading the church, a plurality of elders or pastors. Now, if you know anything about why Peter is writing here to these believers, you know that those he's writing to are in a period of exile and suffering. So, Here's a group of people, a flock of sheep, pressures and dangers outside. What protection do they have? 
Who will take care of them? Shepherds. Shepherds. Isn't it wonderful to know that God thinks about what we need? He knows how to care for us. And he himself, as we already celebrated from Psalm 23, is such a good shepherd to us. And one of the ways he shows his grace is that he gives shepherds to lead and care for us. So we're celebrating that this morning. Elders. Elders being nominated and those who are already serving, who serve in humility. They serve as living reminders of how good and loving God is. To extend help to those who know that they are helpless and lost. Michael, Paul, Eric, John, and Justin are either about to be or have already been faithfully caring for this church as God helps them in humility. Brothers, this is what God would have you do as those who are about to serve as elders or who already are. Spend time with the sheep. These are to be the sheep that are among you. Your lives are to be examples, verse 3. So people need to be close enough to you to be able to see your life. Pay careful attention to what is going on across the church. Give oversight. Be the night patrol. Find out what's needed. Teach, lead, and protect. And shepherd for the right reasons. Don't do it because you're pressured into it. Don't do it for greed or attention or power. Not as an avenue to make people do what you want. Do it out of motivation for the love of Jesus Christ. May 2 Corinthians 5.14 be your watchwords. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. You as elders have a position of authority, and I want to encourage you to use that authority like it's God's, not yours. He is the chief shepherd. Michael, because I've known you as a close friend and I've seen your pastor's heart through our friendship, I want to commend you to this church as one who leads with humility. I've seen it in your own life. You've been an example of these things by God's grace to me. Jill, I know you're not being installed as an elder this morning, but I too have been so encouraged by your humble desire to follow God. To all the elders here, brothers, be humble shepherds. Continue to live with These sheep, these saints, who God has called you to take care of. Know them. Understand them. Love them. Keep working hard to lead across the various concerns and areas of this group. Keep the night watch faithfully. Don't give up if there's not recognition. Don't give in to the temptation to pull back if the sheep bite you. Work hard in this because your labor is not in vain. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he loves this church. And we, knowing that he has loved, we want to give everything he's given us for those who are his. Remember, too, that there is a great reward. 
I love the image in verse 4 of the shepherd appearing. Brothers who serve as shepherds, don't you want Jesus to come and find the flock happy and well? Thriving and growing, fed and protected. Won't it be such a joy to know that Jesus entrusted his blood-bought children to you and you treated them as your own and then you get to hand them back to your Savior, their Savior? Be humble, shepherds, so that you can share in Jesus' glory. That's the only recognition and reward that matters. Authority is God's good design. When God gives authority, he isn't giving someone permission to do whatever they want. He is giving them and empowering them to do what he wants. Because it's a good gift from him and because it will reflect him truly or falsely in the way that it's used, God cares a ton about how elders use their authority. Just think about the two different possible outcomes that that Peter describes here. You'll either get Christ-like leaders who give great attention to the people in the church and how to lead, doing it with joy, willingness, and eagerly, helping people along by walking with them and giving them pictures of what Christian life looks like, or you'll have a group of men who sit on their own, begrudging their duty, doing it to maintain their status and power, working for their own vision of what these people should do and be, denying or ignoring the fact that their position is a gift or stewardship from God himself. Only one of those outcomes tells the truth about God. If you're here and you've had bad experiences with authority in past churches, the issue, I just want to encourage you, is not God or the church he created. The issue is the pride of the church or its leaders that decided that they'd use their God-given authority for something other than what God gave it for. We see how God wants authority to be used from how he uses his authority. Psalm 23, wasn't that such a wonderful meditation, how God uses his authority? He leads us. His mercy follows us. Think about that shepherd, the Lord our shepherd. And God hands that shepherding role over to elders and gives those elders to the church, Ephesians 4. So I pray that when you, Christian, read Psalm 23, you'll be able to be truly thankful for how the Lord is your shepherd and how he is leading you through under-shepherds here that are caring for your souls in this church. I also pray that one of the ways that the Lord uses the future ministry of, of this church is that you will be people who demonstrate what it looks like to thrive under godly authority. That that will be a testimony beyond this place to others. That people would be enjoying here being known and loved and cared for and watched over and protected by elders who shepherd with the spiritual good of the sheep in mind. Humble shepherds are a gift of God's grace to the church. The flock experiences good things when the shepherds are good. And I think one of the best gifts that comes from God through humble shepherding is that we all see what Jesus looks like through humble shepherds. Peter's example is mentioned in verse 1. 
The example of those he's writing to is mentioned in verse 3. Example is on his mind. Elders, you are examples of Jesus in your shepherding. So how can you as a church encourage these men who are your shepherds or will become them even today? Pray for them. Pray for them. I trust that this is the description that they want to be because they see that this is what God wants. But only the grace of God can cause them to be this. They are human after all. So pray for them. That God's grace would sustain and help them and grow them to be these kinds of shepherds. Also, I'd encourage you as a church to lovingly come and talk to your shepherds if you see them doing the things God tells them not to do. They will be helped by the accountability you provide. Encourage them also when you see them caring well for you. It's only a bad thing to encourage humility if it isn't there. Otherwise, it's a wonderful thing to encourage. It's a celebration of God's grace, after all. A lot of encouragement toward humility will lead to more humility, not pride. And then I'd also say, for their sake, they can't see all the humility you see going on in the church. So if you see others exhibiting these same traits, who are caring well for you, who do not carry the title of elder, Come and talk to those who are. They will be helped to hear of God's grace working among the flock and potentially of other gifts God has given to this church to be raised up as well. So that's our first instruction. Be humble shepherds. Second, members. Be humble followers. In verse 5, we see Peter address younger men, maybe those who would tend to be more headstrong, maybe not as mature. But in other places, we see the same encouragement given to everyone in the church. Maybe Hebrews 13, 17, 1 Corinthians 16, 15 to 16, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. Those are all places we see this. It does take a certain amount of humility to admit you're a sheep, doesn't it? Not exactly the prettiest picture we could paint of ourselves. That we're needy people who self-destruct when left to ourselves. Even more humility to accept as a sheep that you're one among many than to accept that you aren't in the lead position. This humility shows through, I see it, when maybe you who are even here, I've seen it in others, you maybe have not had great experiences with church leaders in the past, but you're here. And you're humbly submitting yourself to God by putting yourself under the leadership of this church. That's wonderful. This humility will show what faith in God looks like, too. When you do that, when you humbly submit as as followers, as sheep under the care of a shepherd, you are showing what faith in God looks like. You are trusting God to care for you through broken sinners who are just as weak, needy, and helpless as anyone else they care for. So you're trusting that God has the ability to supply grace to them so that they can consistently, carefully, and in a Christ-like way care for you even though they are weak. But you might say, I've done this before, Philip. And it's just left me open to be taken advantage of the leaders that I've trusted. Yes, it does. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. 
I shudder to think of the judgment of God against those who misuse their authority. What they will face when they have to answer to it for to God. If you're under any kind of abusive authority of any kind, I would encourage you this morning to get help, get counsel, and get out. But if you've been misled in the past, it wasn't because you were too trusting. It was because the person who misled you was too proud. Here's the hard part for people who have been hurt by church leadership in the past, to trust different church leaders now. Just because shepherds can misuse their authority and may have in your life doesn't mean that you shouldn't embrace the role God has given you. And the potential for harm or good in this area should lead us to our knees in prayer for our elders and our church. And to take care, church, about who you nominate as elders, as you have done, I know you've done. We are all at various points going to have to make a decision to follow leadership in things we don't fully understand or comprehend or even don't fully agree with. Imagine a flock of sheep where each one decided to go a different way. It wouldn't be long before wolves would start picking off the strays. You know, the only time scripture talks about a sheep being on their own, it's a bad situation. Be careful if your ideas of what this church should be or what it should do causes you to be split off from the rest. That may not be an indication that the flock is going the wrong way, but it may mean you're in danger from going your own way. As a church, we recognize that there is safety when we are gathered and led. Humble members stay around the fold. They make it easy for leaders to know them and know what's happening in their lives. They recognize that to stick close to the church and to build into relationships here will be good for them and it will be good for others. So here's a way you can live this out as you relate to your leaders, your elders and pastors. When there's something that they say or a way that they lead in that you don't completely understand or agree with, make it your priority and first action to go and talk to them. Before you ever express your dissent, ask them to explain why they're leading in the way they are. Hopefully, they've given thought and prayer to that, and hopefully, you'll be encouraged that they have. I know many of you will never be elders or leaders, so why would Peter want non-elders to hear the instructions to elders? Because we should all know what the role of an elder is. What kind of person should these men be? What kind of qualifications should they show? Why has God given them to this church? What good will come if the church follows humble leading? Thinking through all those things will encourage you in God's specific care for you and the elders he gives to lead you. Hebrews 13, 17 says that you members have a vested spiritual interest in following. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So it is to your long-term spiritual advantage, Hebrew says, to follow your leaders humbly. So how can you as elders 
encourage members in this. Well, first, be very quick and regular in pointing out God's grace through evidences of humility that you see in the brothers' and sisters' lives here. Make it a regular point of encouragement in your sermons. Make it, a, make it a point of your conversations to encourage a brother and sister that you see God's grace in their life. And then also, be very clear and faithful in regularly presenting God's good design for the church. Maybe even more than you present your own opinions of what the church should be. Humble members are a gift of God's grace to the church. The church experiences good things when people are humble. And the best thing that comes from God through humble members is that we all get to see what Jesus looks like through their example. In following leadership, you are being examples of Jesus, submitting to and following the lead of our Father, just like Jesus did. He didn't cling to his position as Son of God in heaven. He let go of that in order to come, obey his Father, and follow his will all the way to the cross. That's our second instruction. Our final instruction this morning, moving from members being humble followers to third, church, be humble with each other. Peter turns in, in the first part of uh, verse 5, he says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Peter lays out these two important aspects of the church, leaders and members, but that's not where he stops. Humility has to do with all of us, and Peter finishes by addressing the whole church, all of us combined. And Peter portrays the work in humility in this way, like you're getting up and tying an apron around yourself. Clothe yourself. Perhaps in Peter's mind, he was thinking about that time when he witnessed Jesus get up and tie a towel around his waist and go about washing his disciples' feet. Where does this work of humility together begin? It begins at the cross of Jesus. It begins where he served us through his death and his grace came to us through his forgiveness. We will be humble with each other when we remember that God in Christ has been gracious and merciful with us. By regularly reminding each other of the gospel and our gatherings and our private conversations, we are sowing the seeds that will grow into a humble church. We need Jesus every day. We can't live without him. A lot of people think that the Christian life starts with things you do for God. But some of the most beautiful pictures of Christian discipleship in the Bible are people who are following Jesus in the kind of humility that is simply soaking in the goodness and grace of Jesus. So I think of Mary at Jesus' feet. The woman washing Jesus' feet with her hair. Zacchaeus joyfully welcoming Jesus into his home. Paul happily calling all his many accolades as a pile of waste and reveling in the fact that he gets to know Jesus. Humility is where the work of salvation begins to become clear in a person's life. When they stop self-justifying and start self-examining. When they stop self-serving 
and start serving others. The irony of humility is that the world thinks it is the worst possible life you can lead. But God says it's the best. We will not be happy Christians until we're humble Christians. Only when we welcome what God says about us will we also welcome what God says he has done to make us new. How can Maranatha Grace Church keep investing from this day of celebration, 11 years, looking forward with new elders, a new senior pastor? How can you as a church keep investing in your humble church future? Well, ask God to destroy pride. Naturally question your judgments about others until you know you have the whole story. Ask God to do good for others. Pray for them. Pray for the spiritual good of them. And get around each other as best you can. Get among each other and make relationships in, with the people in this church a priority. And put their interests before your own. That's how you invest in a humble church future. When we do this, we will be examples of Jesus to each other. Others who are on the receiving end of your prayers or your loving service will witness Christ's life lived in this time and this place. If you're thinking here, maybe you're here and you've not committed to join a church and you're thinking about joining a church, I just want to say if you're thinking about joining a church in this church, what it would take, I will tell you, up front, truth in advertising, it will require humility. Not perfect humility. None of us is perfect, save the one who has saved us. But enough to recognize that you're a sinner who needs a savior just like we all do. And you're a sheep who needs a shepherd and a flock just like we all do. And enough humility to value God's design above your pride or the pride of someone else in this church that you could join with them and help them by fighting with them and alongside them and encouraging you and them in humility. So it's a humble church. It's a humble church that God wants, and I trust that's the kind of church that you want, that we want. I hope in seeing God's good design here that you are eager and excited to pursue a humble future together. How weird Christ and his people must appear to the world that they get excited about being made low so that someone else could be lifted high. Be humble leaders. Be humble members. Be humble church. Love God's grace and what it builds. Hate pride and how it destroys. May God, may God, who loves us and gave himself for us, who owns this church and is building it for his good purposes, to bring himself glory. May it, God give grace and by his grace make this a humble church. Let's pray. Lord, we celebrate you today as we already have in song and reading Opening your word, it's all a celebration that life comes from you. 
from your grace given in Christ. And grace remains for us, supplied by your Spirit constantly, so that we might grow into the people you would have us be. And so we come to you, Lord, as sheep, all of us, acknowledging you to be the good and and perfect shepherd who supplies all our needs according to your riches and glory. We come and ask for a full supply of your grace from this day to the day you return for this people, that you would give grace unending so that they would continue to grow in humility and so be pictures of our beautiful and wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, to one another and to the world around. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.